You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. The 70s were an interesting time for a lot of reasons. However, as it pertains to the discussion for this episode, let's briefly talk about how every media from movies to television to comic books decided it was a great time for martial arts, particularly Kung Fu. This wasn't so bad except for the cultural appropriation, which occurred far too often. A white man visits an Asian country, ironically often in the Tibetan hills because many creators loved the look of not just the Tibetan villages but also those mountains in the clouds. And it's while studying martial arts there that this white man will quickly become, quickly become the best that there ever was at this martial arts. And then they will take what they've learned back to the U.S. where they will proceed to beat the living shit out of anyone who crosses them whilst proclaiming to be peaceful. Now, in 1974, Marvel did just this with Danny Rand, a simple, white-bred young man who's taken to the mystical village of Kunlun and eventually plunges his fist through the molten heart of an undying dragon to become the Iron Fist. Since then, he has appeared in many comic books, both as part of solo series as well as Avengers titles, Heroes for Hires, and one of our favorites when we were recording Comic Book Informer, Power Man and Iron Fist. He's now also starring in his own solo series, Netflix, that is. Tonight, we have Joe filling in for Vince, because Vince couldn't be bothered to even watch this series, which says a lot about where this discussion is going to be going. Now, I had planned on somebody else joining us as well, but they unfortunately couldn't make it for good reasons. What's really funny, though, because I knew based on conversations that you and I had had that we were pretty much on the same page. We might differ on a few things, but the general overall opinion of everything that they did damn near is probably going to be the same for both of us. And it's kind of hard to find somebody who doesn't share that belief. But I did. I found somebody who actually really liked it a lot. And so it would have given us that foil. But unfortunately, they can't make it. So basically, folks, if you're listening, that means all you're going to be here for the most part is bitching. So this is... You know, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I'm, I'm middle of the road. Really now? That's changed then from when we discussed this last Slightly. time. Slightly. Slightly, and and I'll get into why later on. But I'm I I don't hate it, but I don't like it. Like I'm I'm smack dab in the middle. See, that's pretty much the kiss of death as well, and and that's one of the things that I've read time and time again. I've heard when other people were talking about, it. and coincidentally, before I stayed well away from anything to do with this to to the point of muting the hashtags and everything in Twitter just so that when we watched it 
we didn't know what was going to happen and it was going to be a surprise kind of thing. And even when we were just watching it, my wife and I and my, my son watched it as well. Uh, it was that kind of, we, we all felt the same things that it's not necessarily that it was horrible, although in some ways it certainly was, but it's not that it was horrible. It's just that it was so boring and that's worse. It is far worse to create something that's boring than something that's bad. And yeah, that's yeah. what this, the problem with this is. There's a lot of reasons why it's boring, but the when you boil it right down to the nitty gritty, you can, you can accept that cultural appropriation and the fact that they had a chance to fix it and they didn't. And you can, all of the fight scenes, <laughs> which were horrendous, and, and all of these other things, you can accept all that as Tudor, long yeah. as the story is still engaging and you're having fun. And I would I would say that to a degree, pretty far. Because, I mean, look at a lot of... Look at, at Daredevil, the second season. There was a lot wrong there. There was a lot wrong. But it but was it, better done than this one. It was going... Them. It was still going. Yeah. There was still there were still stories, regardless of what you thought of them. I mean, the stuff with the Punisher, despite the really bad things that were done with the character, there was so much else that still was engaging that kept you going back. And and I felt that way about a lot of the the, the series. I mean, even again, we can go right back to Luke Cage as well, being the last one to come out. We talked about that. Oh, shit, did we talk about that on this podcast? I know we talked about it on Combo Confirm, I believe. Anyways, we talked about it. And part of what Vince and I were saying about that is about how there was a, so much that was well done, and then there was some other stuff that was just eh, not so good. But you can deal with that shit because the rest was so fucking good. This doesn't have that so fucking good aspect anywhere. Well, and so you're stuck with boring well here here's the problem right and and this is from my perspective now I, i've loved iron fist forever he's always been one of my favorite characters but not for the reason that he's like a superb martial artist it's because in the comics he was always written with levity he was a character that never let anything break his center or get him down even in the power man comics and stuff like that he was the comic relief he honestly was and that, to me, was always the quintessential characteristic of Danny Rand. That was missing here. And that's a big thing. That's very apparent from the beginning. And you, you think that you might get some of that uh, when, the, when the series starts. But the problem is they never go anywhere with it. That childlike mentality of fun and not letting everything weigh you down goes away. And it's such a fundamental core of the character that, to me... It stopped being a show about Iron Fist, and it started being a show about Shang-Chi. And um, if you haven't read the comics, he's probably somebody you don't even re re remember. He's the son of Fu Manchu, who was basically Marvel's ripoff version of Bruce Lee. And he was very angry and conflicted and was a hero, was a villain, was a hero, was a villain. And everything they wrote into the series for Danny Rand felt like it was for that character instead. And it, that made it boring because everything was trying to be so heavy and dramatic that it missed the mark on the core of the character. 
Now, there are some good moments throughout it, like the supporting cast I thought was absolutely but fantastic. You, you're jumping way With, ahead now. Well, I'm just saying in general. Yeah, but going but back like, to what you that, were saying. I miss that core, man. Oh, yeah, no, 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 and I completely agree. When when they originally announced that there was going to be, well, even when there was initially just the hinting of, of Iron Fist, n- knowing that we were getting Luke Cage, like we were genuinely excited at oh, the yeah, prospect absolutely. of a power man and iron fist team up any way you want to slice it. I don't care if whose series it's in or now we're finding out it's going to be in the defenders series, but any way they could have done it, that was it. And, and that was because in the comics, in the comics, when you're looking at team ups, whether they're regular or just every now and again, people don't realize just how challenging, we'll say not hard, but challenging it is to write a story with two different characters and make it something wherein you're interested in both of them. Plus, you love the dynamic relationship between the two of them and there's a lot more that goes with it again it's not easy to do and people think it is but it really is not these two guys couldn't be more different and and even in terms of their power sets in terms of how they fight in terms of their relationships with people not just each other but with the people around them they're Outlook on life, everything, any way you want to slice it. It's there's a lot there to make it work. And in the comic books, Power Man and Iron Fist is just that. It's phenomenally well done. And Luke Cage is the straight man to He's supposed to, to be Iron yeah. Fist. And to put it in a context that the average um, viewer could get if you're not if you don't read comic books, say you're still gonna know. Spider-Man, because you've watched those movies. Iron Fist is not that far on the spectrum that he's a Spider-Man with all the jokes during a fight and things like that, but he's pretty damn close. Like, he's a lot closer to that mm-hmm. than he is to Luke Cage. And I mean... Especially Luke, when they're not fighting in the in-between bits, yes, too. Like, yeah, he's just that, a that, goofball right having there, the fun. Wit, the humor. Yeah, and and not just the, 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 the wit and the humor, but the lightheartedness. You know, and that's something that comes from that character as well. So when you've got Luke being pessimistic about shit in the comics or Stern, then you have Danny being a goofball and just kind of getting in trouble. Like in the last iteration that they're still going with right now of Power Man and Iron Fist, I believe it's still going. I haven't went. It is. Yeah, it's still going. Okay. Some of the best interactions aren't even between Luke and and Danny, but Danny and Jessica threw Luke on the phone. <laughs> yes. Those yes. are hysterical because she knows who he is and that yep. he's just going to get Luke into trouble. Yep. And yeah, he does. And that kind of brevity, that's the that's the lethal weapon uh, uh theory of of movie of scripts kind of. Um that's the kind of thing that's if you have good characters that you like, that's fun to watch. And like you said, that Danny Rand is not here. And what we get instead is, and we'll get to the casting because we're talking about that, the casting for uh, of Finn Jones, but just the character himself and the portrayal, we get someone that is beyond melodramatic. 
it's not just a character, a person who is trying to come to grips with things and that is kind of somber is the wrong term, but you know what I mean, just far more serious and introspective and things like that. No, he is a melodramatic teen. And they try to kind of justify that by constantly saying like he didn't have a normal upbringing during those, was it 15 years, I think they said? Yeah, it was 15 15 years. I can't remember. Because it it touches every, uh, Kunlun touches every Yes, exactly. So, So, yeah, so it's one of those... Well, he didn't grow up right, and he well, no, he still grew up. He grew up with other. He was still people. a kid. Like he they was, talk about, like I'm he sorry, wasn't they a talk kid. About that in the, well, let me let me when they when they talk about it in the comics, there, there's a very big disconnect here too, right? Like, and this goes back to what I'm saying about the core of the character in the comics. For a long time, even though he was doing the warrior monk training, he still was a kid. He would still sneak out. He would still do bad things. He would still do things like. T- essentially cow tipping uh, not necessarily cows but per se and they 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 hint at that in the show but then they immediately gloss over that and that's that's a problem well yeah and it is again it's what i'm saying is different from you he's still in the comic books retains his innocence if you want to put it that way kind of thing but he's a grown ass man kind of thing sure whereas yeah, yeah. He's this his business. the melodramatic bullshit that goes on here and the way that he plays the character Finn Jones it's it's like he's playing a 12 year old in a 25 year old's body it's like he's playing big but it's not working at all I know yeah. not even a floor piano could have saved this <laughs> but you know and that's the thing though is I don't know I don't necessarily know if I would blame him I, I think it's more the writing, and oh, it's the really? same pro- and and it's the same problem I had going back to Daredevil. Is that while I didn't care for the actor that they they gave Punisher to, I think that it was more the writing's fault than his fault. And it's the same thing here. The writers just, I don't think they understood the character. No, definitely not. Either that, or they were trying to put their own spin on it, but or or trying to fit it into the grim dark to fit with the other ones. Which but which why would you want that? Let's look at what's going to happen with with defenders. You, you realize Matt's the the funny one. Exactly. Right? How wrong is that? And actually, no. Rosario Dawson is going to be the comic well, relief. She's always the comic relief. But I mean, of the core four, like now Matt's the 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 yeah, lightest of them, and that's 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 obscene that to me. Is wrong. I mean. Because Luke is still going to be the stoic kind of character that doesn't say much. And Jessica is still her dark, dark self. Dark self and who yep. just doesn't like people. And then you're going to have emo Danny Rand. So, yeah, that's no. They needed the Iron Fist. They needed Danny from the comics for Defenders particularly. Forget about what's happening with this series, man. They needed it for Defenders. Because yeah, I'm freaking worried about what they're going to do with Defenders now. Well, and, and that's the other thing, too, is it – the other thing that I think that happened with Iron Fist is Iron Fist needed more time before it went live because all it became at this point was a vehicle for the Defenders. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily always a bad thing when you're trying to move things along in a direction. And I've wanted the Defenders. I've wanted Heroes for Hire for a long time. I've always wanted to see it on the screen in some capacity. But it – to me, it read as rushed. And the reason I say that is because it was actually okay for the first eight episodes. No. I No. 
I, I, will, I will, I will, I will go into that a little bit later. But like, it, it wasn't as as terrible as no. as the back half. <laughs> it was all bad. Karen and Tristan clocked out at uh, ten. I watched eleven, twelve, thirteen by myself. But they clocked out and said, "No, that's it. We can't." Like it's, oh, I know, it's I agree. every like nine- single one is worse and worse. And and but I mean, it was still I still right from the beginning. I mean, when you're sitting through like a half hour of boardroom scenes <laughs> and what is supposed to be an action show? No. No, it was all bad. I would disagree with that because you need you need those scenes to establish Warden Joy. And by extension, Harold and how they interact with Danny's life, even in the comics, that is an important thing. That is his origin story, that that relationship between the Meachams and the Rands is a huge driving factor. And you need to have those scenes. Were there too many of them? Probably. Was there too much corporate stuff? They probably could have toned it back some. But ultimately, I, I would I would say that those were needed moments. Now, I mean, I don't know how far ahead we want to get here, but I mean. Talking about Danny and the problems with Danny, I feel like I almost have to talk about the problems with Joy. And like because the two were so intertwined, especially in this telling of the story, she was all over the damn place. Like her personality ranged from a daddy's girl to the hardline business to the soft sentimentalist. Like they couldn't figure out what to do with her. And it just got worse each episode, which – I mean, when you already have your main character sort of missing that mark, you can't have the supporting cast do that. At least not somebody that's supposed to be that important to the main character. It's It was off-putting a See, little bit. This is where I would argue with you that because you're saying, well, you needed the boardroom scenes to establish that relationship. I disagree. Um, I, I get what you're saying, and it can be done both ways. But the, the manner that I feel would be better – you can allude very quickly to a couple of boardroom scenes, certainly, but all of those interpersonal relationships between him and the Meachams can be done outside of a boardroom. They can be done in other areas uh, yeah, that are still it's, far it's, more it's, interesting. And the other thing, too, to keep in mind is that – and see, this is, this is a judgment thing that not everybody's going to agree with because of that idea of it has to tie to the origin story that's in the comics. And – this being our fourth now, fourth season, but third show, now we're more – sorry, fourth. It is fourth. Sorry, fifth season, fifth, fourth show. Uh, I know that I at least and, and anybody that I've discussed this with too are a lot more willing to just let them kind of be a lot more loosey-goosey with it in terms of how it ties back to the comic book. And, and case in point, and I'm going to tie it. Quickly back to this, and then we're going to go back to Joy, because I also want to talk about the Meachams, lots. But this ties back to the idea of they had a choice, a chance to finally fix the, the this idea that Danny has to be a white boy. And there's the casting of Finn Jones. As has been said time and time again, they could have cast an Asian-American a point blank Asian, a something else, not just the whitest white person. <laughs> like that boy needs some sun um, to play this role. And it's that kind of 
it's it's just clueless to the time that you're in because again in the same way that they could have changed their Danny ran, they could have also changed yeah. some of that origin story so that it's not about going back for his father's company. His, his thing. But I have, but, I have a theory on that. But why did his, that, you know, it, he could have come back and that could have been background stuff because it sure. certainly was not as important as everything that was going on with the hand. So but I mean, talking about the, the, the casting though of, of a white man in that role. Yes, it's true to the comics, but I, it's, it seems very, I don't want to say the timing is amusing, but it lines up with the announcement that Marvel just made of canceling the diversity line as well. Yeah. Like this was it was a deliberate move to cast Finn Jones in that. And it was not because, you know, they didn't want to correct the mistake because there's some very loud voices that were very adamant about it from internal on Marvel's side that said that they should have corrected it and they should have gone back and, and done that casting differently and taken that opportunity to right a wrong from all those years ago. The executives just didn't want to. And that's really sad. Oh, it is. It is. And I've said it before. And we, we talked about this at length on combo conform podcast, how things will be so much better when those, old white men finally retire and other people can work their way up there to make decisions that are far better for everybody. Because in the same weekend that they were winning awards for those diversity comic books, they were bitching that they weren't selling enough. And and I was like, how clueless can you be to the time that you live in? Because that's... Oh. I was joking about it on, I think I mentioned it on Twitter, like that that kind of stupidity. If we weren't done comic book informer by now, that's the kind of stuff that would have me going, you know what, fuck this bullshit. I mean, it, it made me cancel all my polls. How sad is that? Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. But it, it is it is it's important an important point. Because it's an and important it goes, point to note, yes. It, it goes back to my point is how I was tying it into to what you were saying, how they could have done away with the entirety of the Rand Corporation stuff or just left it as background filler that you just find out about as you're going. We're, they're treating their audience like idiots to feel that they have to lay everything out for them instead of just alluding to the stuff that's really not that interesting to begin with. See, and, and here's the thing that I would have done, right? And and I've, I've actually been thinking about this really hard for the last couple of weeks since watching it. And I've actually watched the series twice and I've had uh, pretty in-depth conversations with a bunch of friends that are, are really into comic books and into these these shows as well. I would have mentioned Rand offhand at the beginning, and then I would have left the fact that the hand, like all, leave everything that has the hand. That's you know, have that be why Danny is here in the first place. You know, have that be he followed them to New York. That he is trying to be unlike the other Iron Fists and not be reactive but be proactive. Okay, I can buy that, right? Have it be the bomb at the end of the show. The like the last thing he finds out is that Harold and the Hand have been working together, and that Rand has been there front the entire time, and now he's intrinsically linked with it. End of story. Like you don't have to go into yep. everything else they did. Leave it be a bombshell and move on. Well, the thing is, is that by doing that, you have like you just said that bombshell ending with the same result. Because what we watched... And better than the actual ending we got, damn it. It's never resolved. There's still the hand in Rand Corporation. So that's not changed. 
only nope. that it was boring as shit to watch versus what you're suggesting, which would have been a lot better. So, which goes back again to what I was saying. Like, there was a lot of decisions that were made there in terms of how they were going to pace the story and what it was going to be about. And there was far too much shit in there that is boring as hell that they had the opportunity to change and go another route. Like, I mean, again, 13 episodes of him fighting the hand, maybe with some daredevil or punisher a little bit in there kind of thing or something else that kind of stuff would have been engaging for the entirety of the 13 episodes because then you're dealing with the who owns what docks and things like that and dealing with the existing gangs and the, the the hand and who and things like that that was that was great stuff i loved that and the other thing too is they could have extended out um, the tournament as well, too, instead of having everything in one, because that was a callback, right? Like the, the, the fighting tournament was a callback to the comics and the grand tournament of the immortal weapons, because f- for anybody who hasn't read the comics, it's kind of important to note that Iron Fist is one of the um, one of seven immortal weapons from the seven heavenly cities. Kunlun is just one of those cities. Uh, Madame Gao is actually also one from another one of the cities. And it's sort of important to note, Right. And this is they could have played off of that and expanded that out where because everybody he fought was a callback to one of the immortal weapons. Every single one of them was they could have been their own individual, you know, two to three episode arcs where, you know, these are these are ones that are rebelling against Kunlun and the seat of power that are coming for the Iron Fist or have been called in by the hand to handle the Iron Fist because that would make it a lot more compelling, especially like. The Black Widow, um, which her name isn't the Black Widow in this show, but she was one of the immortal weapons, the the Korean uh, fighter. She was amazing in the comics. She was calculating and cold. And we saw very, very little of that. And they could have expanded that into a couple day thing because she would have laid traps for weeks and made him go through trials and tribulations just to find her. And they could have played that for a couple episodes. The Brothers could have been a couple episodes. The Russian Brothers could have been a couple episodes. They missed an opportunity with that. That could have been the entire meat of it. See, the the thing too is that to a certain degree, while I understand what I believe to be their logic, I don't agree with it. And I think that what they wanted to do is present Danny much more on the street level. And because that's what the defenders were, kind of thing, and that's what they're going to be going for. Yeah, but then for. it became how how Danny got his chi back. Not done yet, but the, the, they're so clueless that they don't understand that a billionaire is not going to be something that appeals to us and that we can relate to as a ground level superhero kind of guy. He's still a billion in the same way that we can't relate to Batman. We can't relate to this guy or friggin' Iron Man. It's the same kind of deal. So what you're suggesting, they may have thought of maybe let's give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they thought of doing something that big and epic and thought, no, we need him on the ground. The thing is, is that the comics have shown and, and even even uh, Daredevil showed this because Gao was in there as well. You mm-hmm. can have massive mystical bullshit going on that is epic in scope and still have your guy on the ground. 
I mean, Daredevil had that insane fight scene in the hall, and that's you can't get any more ground level than that. They could have done the same kind of thing. Well, they they tried really hard with that fight scene in the closet and then the hall. Um, but I think that if they'd had better writers and someone at the helm who was willing to take chances, then yeah, what you're suggesting with a massive epic scope story still tied into the hand on the ground, it would have been beautiful and compelling as shit. See, and I think this is indicative of another problem that that we're starting to see as well with, with how Marvel is starting to write these. Originally, Marvel Studios and anything involving them had a group of comic book writers that were acting as liaisons to sort of work with the directors and say, okay, this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. Okay, let's give you some source material to go through and sort of keep them honest. And they had them for Daredevil for the most part. They had them for Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. They didn't have them for Iron Fist because they had let them go before production started. So that group was not around to sort of spot check anymore like they had been doing. And it's very apparent that there wasn't anybody going, this makes no damn sense. There's lots of little loose bits like that. And you're absolutely right. They could have done that the the super mystical stuff and still kept it street level because it's all in how you present the character and it's all how the character navigates. And Spider-Man's another great example of this always because yeah. – He's he is arguably one of the most powerful creatures and characters in the Marvel Universe because of who he is and how they've written him. But he limits himself because that's who his character is. That's that's his mentality. And Danny Rand is very much that same thing. He has incredible power. He can destroy entire city blocks with his chi. But he doesn't because that's not who he is. It's a you present the character in a way that they're self-limiting or whatever the case is, and it makes sense for the character if you do it right. But it felt like they they didn't know how to do that. No, no, no. Again, because it goes back to the first statement, they didn't understand the character. No, no. And I think that they were looking for far too many character ties or instances where it could potentially feel like the norm versus the mystical stuff. Case in point, boardroom scenes. So let's tie it back to the Meachams because this goes back to my idea, like you were saying too, that what they could have done and this and this and this, all of that better than Meachams. I did not want the Meachams in this. And just because they're part of his story in the comics doesn't mean they have to be in this series. If you're looking at yeah. it, say, this is not boardroom scenes with the Meachams versus battles with other Eternals or with Gao or whatever. It's pretty easy to see what's going to be far more compelling for people. And and I had no use for the Meachams. Joy, initially, eh, not as bad. I didn't mind her as much, although her story kind of, she had no... She lacked she, of direction. She, she not really just did. direction, but like even when she was trying to make her own choices, everybody else was making choices for her. And she had no way to guide her own story. And then Harold would, may as well have had a mustache that he twirled. It was that unbelievable and stupid. Ward, while I hated him initially, when mm-hmm. shit started going bad and he was losing it, he got more interesting, I will say. Yeah, that. I agree. Absolutely. And and there were moments with him that were justifiably, oh, that was well done. 
I'll say that. That doesn't redeem the series by any stretch, but at least there were definitely some scenes with him that were were, were well done. But I could have done without the Meachams, period. Now, I will say as far as supporting character, characters go, yeah, I could. you could have maybe done without the Meachams. You would have had to maybe throw a bone or at least a mention into Harold. Um, my biggest problem with Harold was the oh, he's dead, but he actually faked his death. Oh, wait, he didn't actually fake his death. They brought him back from the dead. It's Solomon Grundy, but Harold. Um, That was way too convoluted. Just, they could have simplified it just by making, like, if you want to make a mention of Harold, Harold's running rant. End of story. You don't have to do anything more than that. And then until you drop your bombshells towards the end, you still have Madame Gao deliver her line about Harold. You, You still do all of that. But it becomes the end cap. It becomes not the center point like everybody thinks, like they try to do. Um, I understand that the the use of Ward and Joy was to try to tie Danny back to this life. And I agree with that idea. The execution could have been done better, infinitely better. What I will give them some credit for is the inclusion of Colleen Wing. Because Speed Samurai... Uh, is one of those weird characters that everybody forgets about, but everybody also forgets how important that she is to all four of the characters in, in the Defenders, as well as the street-level Marvel Universe as a whole. I will give them some credit for doing that, and actually, I would say, doing a decent job with her as well. Um, she was one of the more interesting characters, not not because she was a love interest of Danny, but because she had her own problems, she had her own fall, she had her own everything, and they set her up really well to pair with Misty later on should they ever decide to do it, and I seriously hope they do. Oh, God, God a series with those two? Give me Daughters of the Dragon, Oof. a buddy cop series with those oh, two, oh, oh, and oh. I will be friggin' happy. Yeah, that would make up for this. <laughs> If they could do that, because, yes, she in the comics has uh, a lot. She's important. She's she's got a lot of depth and she is a character that you want to know so much more about because it's not always just you're not always going to be able to guess where she's going or the decision that she's going to make or things like that. And she's not always just the good guy kind of thing. Like there's a lot of history there with her mother and with everything else. And that, that partnership with Misty, much like Power Man and Iron Fist kind of thing, which is why sometimes you'll see the, the four of them together in different things too. It's so much fun to read. It's great. So yeah, I found that the actress that played uh, Colleen Jessica Henwick well, I shouldn't say the actress. The actress was fine, but the I found that the way that she was directed or the way that it was written, it took a while to get into her. Because yeah, and much like that pacing issue we talked about. Everything else at the beginning is just so fucking boring, and so was she. And it was like, oh, man. And it's not until she comes into her own and she has her own troubles. But even then, when she goes into the cage the first time, that's the tipping point there. And even that was so poorly written, it was well acted and I loved seeing it, but it was so poorly written that there's not enough of a transition. She goes from being written as someone that's like, no, you do this, you respect the the dojo, you respect your sensei, you do no no no, you're you're dishonoring yourself by doing this. Oh, I'm just gonna go give it a shot. And I know why she did, and she even alludes to it a little bit later on, but 
they didn't say it beforehand. It was just boom, boom, she's there. And it's like, well, that's just fucking stupid now. Yeah, it was not my not my favorite decision, but they could have done so much worse than her. I know that's that's grass that's that's setting the bar yeah. really, really low. But of all of the second stringers, I guess you would really call them the support cast, she wasn't absolutely terribly done. Um Hogarth probably Hogarth and Gao are probably the two best done. Um because Madame Gao's character has been established and I think they still hit that on the head there. It, the ruthlessness, how the character acts, how she knows things, how she manipulates and the actress playing her is phenomenal as well. Well, that's the thing. She does it so well that when you're watching she might, it, she you're, pretty much is Gao. Yeah, you're thinking that's probably who she is because you cannot act that goddamn good and on point no, all the no. time. And and if that's true, I would like to spend time with this woman. <laughs> I will say that as always, Rosario Dawson was amazing. She is a perfect Claire. She's a perfect night nurse one. It's it's not just that she's perfect in that role, but it goes back to what I was saying, how the how Gao just you're thinking, that's who you are, kind of thing. That's what I get from from her as Claire. You get oh, yeah. these looks, you get these these different things. Just little mannerisms, and there's a lot of this, of that throughout from when she first meets him all the way to later on when she's traveling with him and all that. There's always the, this, this way that she is dealing with Danny and Colleen at points. And it's, you, you, you think like, God, I love this woman. She's just, again, an interesting woman that I want to see so much more of. And then, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Trinity, Carrie Ann Moss, again, oh, yeah, can she do any guard. wrong? She nails she this role all the time. Oh, God. Well, and, and she was she was probably, again, one of the other, like, really bright spots in the show because she plays that character so well. And it just hits all of the right beats. It, she always does. Ever since we first saw her, she's been knocking that out of the park. And I enjoy what she did in the show with the, you know, the exasperated size, the we're going to, you know, take this. We're going to take what belongs to you because it's right. And I enjoy the fact that she's intertwined slightly with Danny previously because of that relationship. It made sense. And everything about her character and her character's actions made sense. And I mean, come on. She just commands the goddamn scene. Oh, she does. She does. As soon as she is on the screen, you are looking at her. It was like, um, did you ever watch uh, Humans? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because she's in there, and the moment she is introduced in Humans, it's like, as as amazing as all of the the droids are in that story. They're not droids. What are they called again in that? um, It's not synths, is it? No. It's close enough. I don't remember what it is. I can't remember what it is exactly. But as interesting as all of those actors are, as soon as Carrie Ann Moss is in a scene, you're like, thing, that's that's who I'm looking at. She just is phenomenal. And what I love about her portrayal of Hogarth is how it ties in with the other series as well in a believable way that if you watch those other series, you have some history of the character already going in. And I will say this, there was for, for Iron Fist, there was a little bit of 
not backstory, but, you know, just that little bit of history between them. But that was it. It was it was assumed that you know who this person it's is. All it needed to be. And that's that. And and that's what I mean. We needed so much more of that in a lot of different ways because well, everybody's on board now with the Marvel Netflix series. We know what we're getting into. Just hit the ground running. Yeah, and and I think and that's right there. That's that's a perfect point, right? Like, and making some sacrifices, I guess, if you want to call them that, to thin out some of those other characters in this and those scenes, allow you more time to establish the main character which is something the show severely lacks. When I watch through twice, Danny is only on the screen 60% of the entire runtime. That's not a whole lot. Yeah, but this goes back to my argument against the Meachams. How much of that time was the Meachams? And I, I agree, but it's different if you have the Meachams and Danny in a scene, right? Okay, but versus just the Meachams by themselves. And again, I, I agree with you. I'm not saying that it was the right choice. I'm just saying that having them included in some capacity was the right choice. What they chose to do with them wasn't the right choice, like at least not to me, because it, it took away too much time from a character that you're trying to establish. And you know, for all we talk about, Danny is a deep character. There's a lot going on to him. You give him more time, you can actually flush some of that out and maybe make him a likable character. It would take, I think, a few seasons to get to that point. With the way they're going now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because what they could have done. Oh, could, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. Coulda, woulda is definitely different. I'm talking about if we look at the series as it stands now, which I would be surprised if it's picked up for a second season. I I don't know. I haven't read, so I don't know if they have been or not. But, man, I because the, the this was not very well received at all. So I don't know if that's going to have an impact. But that being said... Even if it was picked up for a second season, looking at where it ended off for this season, he's still not a happy-go-lucky guy. He has not dealt with his demons to speak of, and he has still got way too much going on, Like, and he's still way too melodramatic. So they can't so radically change the character in one season that he's going to wind up being likable. I, I think well, it would gonna, literally gonna, take I, a few they're relying on the defenders and, and this is a problem that I have. Yeah. And I, I've been very vocal about this. Like I, I honestly believe daredevil got a second season, which allowed us to establish that character. I personally believe that Jessica Jones, Luke cage and iron fist should all have second seasons before the defenders happen. That's not happening, which is another reason why I keep saying that the show feels rushed and we're not getting the breadth of these characters that we really should know. That's not saying that Luke Cage and, and Jessica Jones weren't well done. Honestly, Jessica Jones is my favorite followed by Luke Cage just because of how things were done. And I think those were great, but even Daredevil got a lot more depth. He grew as a character, whether you, you love the series or hate the series, his character did expand through a second season. And with Danny being so flat, they're going to be relying 100% on his time in the Defenders to get him the rest of the way there. And I think that is a horrible mistake. I would say that I don't think that they necessarily had to do a second season for everybody because 
while we didn't get a second season of Jessica Jones and Luke, we got a lot of Luke in Jessica Jones still kind of thing. And so it kind of felt like those two were already Maybe, established. Yeah. And and Daredevil, while not established with those two, still with the Punisher, you get that feeling of working with other quote-unquote superheroes. So the only outcast is then Danny. So I don't think necessarily that Danny needed a second season. I Again, it, it would have to be so radically different that I'd want it. I just think that he would have needed to appear in a second season of somebody else's maybe kind of thing. Give us instead of a second season of Iron Fist, giving give us a second season of Luke Cage with appearances from both Jessica that, and yeah. Iron Fist at different times and then bring it all to a point with Defenders later on. Yeah, because then it gives you time to do something that I think is going to be a problem, right? Because now you have to establish how they all run into each other, and that's going to eat up episodes. Oh, yeah. That's going to eat up valuable time. Whereas if you give Luke Cage a second season and let that sort of naturally occur, where, you know, he already knows Jessica, we know that. We know that that's a thing that, you know, that relationship is established. You have him run into to Matt Murdock. You have him run into... You know, Danny Rand, you have these moments where they pop up and Claire is a unifying factor here, which is something they can very easily play off of. And you tell a story of how Luke Cage gets into the mindset of being willing to be with the defenders, which is something that still needs to be done. Because right now he's very much a every time I invite somebody into my life, something horrible happens. And I need to be my other myself. Well, he's by they, himself in prison right now. So. Exactly. Uh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. And they still have to establish how he gets out of prison and what happens after that and everything else there, too. Like there's so much that needs to be resolved for him. You resolve that. You give those beats. You give those moments. You give those character pop ups. And then you have all the ground you work you already needed to establish for defenders and then you get 13 episodes of actual story versus four episodes of establishing them deciding to work together maybe a couple episodes of them you know faltering on their on their first new grouping and then maybe half a dozen episodes of them actually doing something relevant to the plot like it it concerns me because there there are things that they could have chosen to do better instead of what I feel is rushing a project. Well, the thing too, is that there's absolutely no excuse for them because they can look at, they print money. They can wait. Well, no, it's not just that they can look at how Marvel, they did it. They themselves did it with the movies. We didn't get an Avengers right away. It was long after we'd had multiple Iron Man, multiple Captain America movies, as well as some other stuff like various Hulks beforehand and all that. Like there was a lot that was done beforehand to establish Avengers so that once they went to Avengers, they hit the ground running and boom, that first Avengers was spectacular. So there's no excuse for Marvel not to know how to do this in a television series. They fucking did it in the movies. Oh, no, I absolutely agree. It's something that they've proven that they can absolutely yeah. do. It's just a question of why, why didn't, didn't they? they? Did, why aren't they doing it? And it it just seems like poor decision making. And, like, they're trying to capitalize on it before, like, the hero craze burns out or whatever the case is. But, 
Come on, guys. That's Take not going to happen time. anytime soon. No. No. You, not you, when you, you look you, at the... You batter down the door. You're, you're not going unless you decide to go. No. You you don't have to look any further than the success that even the worst superhero movies... I'm looking at you fucking man of steel and Batman v Superman. <laughs> even those are making billions. Like, like over a billion. I don't know what the man... Uh, Batman v Superman is at now, but holy crap, it's making still. Oh, especially overseas, it made it's making yeah. a ton of money anywhere that's not the United States. Yeah. So again, they're not going to stop this anytime soon. So fucking learn how to do it right, people. The last thing that I wanted to talk about, and then we can get to any parting thoughts that you may have, is the fighting. This is an Iron Fist story. Now, when you look at the stuff that was done in primarily the first season of Daredevil. I remember watching, it sounded like this was like freaking 20 years ago, but it's like, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember watching that series when it first aired as it did everybody else and being floored by the fight scenes. They were so well choreographed. They were so well acted. They, they were didn't have 60 cuts in 40 seconds. Yes. They were believable. Even though it's a blind man fighting, it's believable. It was so well done. I wasn't crazy about the teacher bullshit later on in the second season, but in the first season, uh, didn't have his. Was he even? Yeah, he was in the first season too, but it wasn't as noticeable. I digress. Stick? Yeah. Stick wasn't. He was in the first one, wasn't he? No, he, they introduced him in the second. This, this is oh, part of the problem right, that I right, had right. with the second season. Okay. Is yeah, that there was I, just too much going on with Stick and the hand. and I, For Electra whatever reason, I thought he else. was still in the first season. Okay, whatever. No. Still, my point being, believable. And Daredevil is, yes, he is a good fighter, but that's not his shtick. His shtick is his freaking radar bullshit thing well, going he's, on. He's, yeah, yeah, he's a good ninja. fighter, but he's you know what ninja. I mean. But he's not the Iron Fist. If you're doing True. a series about the Iron Fist, you need to make sure that the fighting is going to be among the best on television. Like with the money that they could have pumped into this to make sure that they have the time needed to do this properly and rehearse the, and choreograph and everything. This could have been the best and, fighting show to have ever been done. And that's my problem right there with that, too, is because. They rushed this. It needed more time. And, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Finn credit. He tried. I have done research. He was spending tons of time trying to learn. But the problem is when you're taking somebody who is used to learning European-style sword fighting and then teaching him, you know, martial arts in the form of various forms of kung fu and, and karate and judo and and. No, it doesn't work like that. It takes time for a person's brain to absorb that all. And it takes time for their body to sort of get used to it. You have to give them time, especially when you have an actor like him who really wants to do well in it. And you can tell that he wanted to do well. And I'll give him that. He had the drive. They didn't give him enough time. They didn't give him enough preparation to be able to do it. Uh, and the differences between him and his stunt doubles – is so noticeable as a result. Like this is this is kind of like Keanu Reeves back in the early days when he was learning how to fight. That's how stiff he was. Uh, no, he he would have to be practicing for a couple of years to get to Keanu's level. Which, oh, I'm talking about like early. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Days. That's I'm how like bad this days. was. Yeah, he's not even that bad. He is worse. 
I I was floored by how bad this was, the fighting things. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm an expert by any stretch. I'm not. But I've well, studied for... Enough. I'm still I'm talking. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've studied a number of different martial arts when my knees were good. I've, I loved it. I, I would still be doing it if I could. And so I kind of pick up on a few things as I'm watching these series. And this was just... Horrific. Even Colin Wing, who's got more training, was not choreographed well, and neither were her fight scenes. Some not as bad, but some were like comes out of different styles too, right? Yeah, but this was the 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 fighting in this was so unbelievably bad that it it again it was boring. The fight scenes that are supposed to add tension to whatever scene they're in were boring as shit. And just to say, now because people will say they've only got so much time to do this, the actors have other series, yak, 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 you can say whatever you want, but, and this is, I saw this in a couple of different places where they were talking about this, fucking watch Into the Badlands. Don't tell me that you can't have good fighting from everyone and it be properly choreographed and executed because Into the Badlands did it and they're on their second season right now and every episode has insane fight scenes now, i'm not saying that this needed to be as good as that but because it's iron fist it, it should be have been and not even that we can go to other series as well like marvel's agents of shield say what you will about the show if you like it or not we do sometimes it's way over the top but who the fuck cares we enjoy it in case in point it's not boring it's a even if it's a train wreck it's an interesting train wreck to watch with some storylines but overall we love it we like what they're doing Again, you watch fight scenes with ming na wen or chloe bennett those women are busting their asses all the time you see them on twitter i follow them on twitter just because it's inspiring like you see them working out you see them taking pictures and showing like we're working on this fight scene choreographed and here's my stunt double or whoever who's training her kind of thing and both of them kick ass you you watch fight scenes with them and it's believable they they can do it it's tv there's no reason why they couldn't have done this with this series none oh they and they it, easily could have yeah it it just boils down to time. And when you rush things like this, especially with this, you, they devalue the amount of work that goes into learning, practicing, and living martial arts. Now, my I'm not an expert. And like you, I'm not an expert. I've studied. My Sifu, however, is. And he watched the show because he's a huge freaking comic book nerd. And he had the same things to say. We had a very long talk about this. Colleen Wing, yes, she's had training, but the style that they tried to force on her, you could see a divine difference between her fighting with the sword and her fighting in the cage. Yeah, She was a lot more comfortable in the cage because that's closer to what she actually knows. You could see the body tension leave. You can see her actually have the food mo- the movements, the stances, having the head swivel that you're necessary. Fighting with a sword in the style of a samurai is completely different than Kung Fu it's 100% different and you can see the hesitation. She needed more time. Not that she didn't do a good job. She did for what she, what she was allowed to do essentially, but they needed more time. They needed more work on the choreography. Danny Rand, on the other hand, every scene was a travesty. Mm 
And anybody who knows anything about fighting, you can see when the stunt double was in, fine. When it was him, he was missing beats. He wasn't reacting. He was very, very stiff. And that's why you have certain fight scenes like in the hospital with the record room where you have, and it was something like 53 or 54 cuts. Yeah, it was ridiculous. In a 40-second clip. Yeah. That is ridiculous. That should never happen. Daredevil season one, they didn't have that many cuts. The hallway scene was one continuous take because they spent the time to set it up and choreograph it properly. They spent the time to train the people involved in that fight properly or to find the people that already knew how to handle it. It, When people tell me that it can't be done, I just want to hit them with a brick because it absolutely can. If you give your team time and you have your choreographer who's not rushed and people that can work with them to get them through it. I'm like a broken record at this point. It could have been infinitely better than what we got. It's just, it makes me sad. And I don't think it was absolute <laughs> shit. Oh, I was. <laughs> I, I don't think so because I think it was, I think it was half of a good show. Oh, uh, okay. Think, okay. Let's, let's end with positive then. Yeah. I, and it, it, it won't be coming for me. <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it for the positive. I loved the way the hand was represented here versus everywhere else, and I think they did a much better ver- uh, job of propping up the hand as the threat that they're supposed to be versus what was done in Daredevil season two. Because in Daredevil season two, you got like, oh, they think they're maybe ninjas and they have some mystic power that bring people back from the dead. Fantastic, and they didn't really establish them as a global threat here. You get that sense of yes, they're everywhere because they've spent generations doing what ninjas are supposed to do. Infiltrating, getting Intel, getting power, getting into places where they can do what they need to do. And then you give Madam Gao more screen time. She was arguably one of the best parts about Daredevil. She is invariably the best part about this show because she is the 100% embodiment of what the hand is and giving her that time to establish her as the menacing threat that she actually is and to show how much power she has, not just in her martial arts ability, which she does have. And they did show that a little bit with her ability to channel Chi, but in the fact that she is everywhere, she is the hand and that right there is probably the best thing that the show did was give them the proper threat, the proper villainy. <laughs> the proper the threat was. that they didn't use <laughs> effectively. But, you know, because they spent too much time having to shut it up because they didn't do it in the first place in the other series. I mm, no, I don't think that's why. I, I think it's because they spent more time with Harold Meacham being the big bad than they did with Gao. And and you're right. Gao, when Gao talks, you shut up and you listen. She commands not respect, but she commands fear from her goddamn viewers. <laughs> Forget about the people yep. in the show. You're watching and you're going, holy fuck, look at her. Even though she's th- th- this little old Asian woman with a cane, she commands this there's this presence about the actress that comes across the screen in a way that's just like 
I believe that you could break his neck without breaking a sweat right now. That, like 100% it's boom. regal. It's, I know you regal. That's what they should have used throughout the entirety of the show for the big bad instead of this bullshit with Harold. I said I was going to just say nice stuff at the end. <laughs> Go on. And and honestly, the other the only nice thing I I can say and I will say this they gave me Colleen Wing and they gave me a way that I can actually enjoy her. Maybe not a hundred percent, but they've established her as a character. And that makes me happy because I was actually incredibly concerned that they wouldn't touch on her at all. Well, it's, and, it's her and Claire and, uh, and Misty now. Yes. So you have these I want to three show women, just them. Yeah, exactly. You got these three women that they could either do a series with just them. That would be spectacular and hit on diversity on all fucking fronts. Let's be honest. Let's have that show happen. But before that, put them in defenders. Give them some roles in defenders. It, it, like obviously Claire's going to be there and Colleen is supposed to be there, but I would certainly like to see Misty there as well. And they then, already set it up at the end of Luke Cage. Exactly. She had, the, she had the hairdo and the outfit. That's right. So just kind of sneak them in there for some stuff. They're not going to be the main characters, secondary, but still they can still have prominent roles, but then give those three women their own series. Oh my God. Again, that would make up for this. And don't put it in some fucking guy's hand to direct like Joss with Batgirl. Give it to a female director. Give it to female writers. Let's get this done from a perspective where it's believable and that is interesting. That's what I want. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I would watch that show and be very content. And there's not like there's an, a lack of willing writers or directors of the uh, of the female origin that would take on that project. If you said, we want to make this show, you have an opportunity here, Marvel, you seize it, take it. Oh, and put Madame Gao in that as a villain. (laughs) That would be glorious there. Positive note. We're going to end on that. So Joe, thank you very much for coming on the show. I do appreciate it, man. And your expertise on the character very much appreciated. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to, to be able to talk nerdery about uh, my favorite TV shows and movies. So Joe, of course, is on Fourth of Lore with Vince and I, and he also does a lore podcast about various Blizzard games. Tell the folks how they can find you on that. Uh, if you go to blizzardwatch.com, the podcast is called Lore Watch. Go figure. Uh, we're clever with our naming. Uh, so we talk about all of the Blizzard IPs, and we even branch out into some weirder stuff occasionally here and there. So uh, it's a great time. Anywhere else I, you want I to make point them to? frustrated. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at LoaderZJ. Stop on by. Have a conversation with me. You can find me on Twitter at ZenBuddhist. You can find the show notes at PopcornRonin.com. Thank you for listening. Next episode, we're going to be talking about some more martial arts stuff. In fact, there's going to be a couple of episodes with that. Fits with the title of the show. So with that, we'll talk to you then. movie, TV, and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, manellijamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.